Hello, everybody! Welcome to the Parkscope Unprofessional Podcast Hour. It has been about three years since we last recorded. Uh, it's I don't I don't know what's going on anymore. We are now in uncharted territories. The roaming hordes are roaming outside, searching for the last remaining bottle caps and batteries in our wasteland. Joining me tonight in our homesteads are our castles are whatever. I don't know. I'm trying to go with this analogy, but it's not working very well. Uh, is Alan. Alan, how are you doing? Doing all right. Hanging, um, in, hanging in there? Yeah, I was able to pull together some solar panels. <laughs> and, uh, you know, given that Michigan is mostly post-industrial wasteland to begin with, not many people showed up here after the great unbecoming of... <laughs> Year negative one. So, um, you know, we've been okay in in the subsequent time. Um, we've just kind of occupied this town, and uh, I occasionally send out ham radio messages and attempt to find other survivors. And uh, you know, there's there's some there's some downsides. There's some upsides. Uh, as long as you have a hose, you have free ga- free gas. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's. There's hundreds of millions of vehicles, and they all basically are, are like free gas for you, um, as long as you have a gun and ammunition. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, oh, I see a plane. That's more rare and rare every day. Uh, also joining us is Alex. Alex, how are you doing? It's uh, it's not doing too well here in Philadelphia. Everyone decided finally you know, from New York, that Philadelphia looked like a really good solution right now. So, uh, it's, 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 it's sketchy right now. Just everyone, uh, coming down and rant. It's, it's like a reverse escape from New back, York. We're on the back, finally. <laughs> yeah, a reverse escape from New York. So. Yeah, everybody, everybody's like, oh, I'll just go to this other place, and then I'll be fine. And it's, then they aren't fine. There's some town in rural Idaho that's full of COVID cases because it's all people that had, like, ski lodges. Mm-hmm. And so they just flew out to the middle of nowhere, and now they're all like, oh, God, we're all sick together. This was a bad idea. Um, so my neighbor hasn't been in his house for the entirety of this situation. So I'm oh. sure he's up north. Oh, I okay. guarantee it. Like, <laughs> he did exactly that. Like, he's like, I'm just going to go to my my cabin and see you guys in like three months. That's basically what he did. He just pieced out like that. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at right now. It's, it's an interesting time, you know? Yeah. yeah. We, when was uh King's Island supposed King's, I'm not King's Island. King's Dominion was supposed to open last weekend, right? I think like two, two weeks, weeks ago, two weekends ago. Yeah. Oh, Cause wow. I posted a vlog that was a year old to be like, Hey, we lived last year because this year is not happening for a while. <laughs> yeah, and I think Kings Island opened was supposed to open last weekend, I want to say. Yeah, I think Media's yeah. was yeah. supposed to be sometime last week and yeah. or last week or something for Orion, so Yeah, and that's kind of where we're at. Were were there any other rides opening this spring that we had dates for and time frames? Uh. I mean, well, Iron Gwazi is now open. <laughs> yeah, it's now open for all the squirrels, for the hyenas, and uh, <laughs> you're just you're just watching and you see the hippos on the RMC restraints. 
Oh, the hippos wouldn't fit. Never mind. No, 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 no. Yeah, the lions. Yeah, you're gonna need. Nor would the giraffes because of the, the uh, the weird body shape. So it's pretty much exclusively bobonos. Yeah, it's we just... don't want a hangover two situation. You yeah, need... we don't. <laughs> yeah, you you need uh the mon you need the 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 uh the monkeys and the gorillas to actually use their opposable thumbs to operate the uh the ride uh mechanisms too. So kind of hard just to have a hoof and just paw away at the at the switches. You have to kind of like, you know, have opposable <laughs> thumbs. So after they added dead man switches in like the 90s, you know, it all went downhill. If if we just had like a button or a lever, you could just you know, it would be some 1960s-esque thing where you get a bungee cord and just, like, hook it to the brake lever and just keep going forever. <laughs> just, just leap out and roll midway through. Now, yeah, I don't know, like, um, uh, Secret Life of Pets was supposed to be open. And there's a lot of stuff that was supposed to happen, and uh, none of it did now. So, here we are. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mm-hmm. honestly have had not thought a whole lot about parks. In the last two, three, four weeks, because uh, I've had other stuff to worry about. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's okay right now. I, I might be lying. It's whatever. It's fine. Yeah. I, to, I, to quote yeah. you, like I can't. I, to quote to for your quote, I forget the exact wording of it, but basically it was, "I cannot wait to care about things that don't matter anymore again." Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, bring like, on the cupcakes <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you know what though like this is a good wake up call for a lot of people I think in general like I'm not saying that this is healthy because I know for me it's not but uh, there are some people out there who having this like forced break may not be a bad thing because it'll help them like think about what matters in life um which, you know, like, this stuff is, we could get serious and, like, nerdy about it, but at the same time, it is kind of, you know, a, a semi-frivolous hobby. Like, there's parts that matter. Like, I care about people's jobs and what the parks mean to the community and stuff like that. But, um, you know, at a really base level, if the stuff is, is successful commercially, you know, it's a dumb hobby. And uh, it's good that people are forced to really on some level think about like stuff that matters like their family or their own personal well-being some are better at it than others mm-hmm. uh we've also clearly established that and um you know so i i don't really have i don't have a whole lot to say about it because there's you know what do you say like i work in a medical center um it sounds like great because every bed will be filled, maybe, but then also it's bad because it's not with the stuff that makes money. So they're talking about like letting go of lots of people at every hospital in America. So, mm. you know, I mean, not that everybody else isn't getting let go. Like, there's tons of layoffs everywhere, and it's a bad situation right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we could sit here and, and, delve deeply about it or we could talk about a different sad thing um which is a different sad thing and you know i i guess what i just kind of want to say is at some point there'll be like a new normal like we're not all going to be trapped in our homes forever it's just not going to happen like 
nobody can sustain this for a year. I don't know that people people will be able to sustain this for another month, like a full month and a half. I'd say, like, especially once it gets like summertime. Like, regardless of how the virus is doing, like people are not going to care. People are going to be like, "I need to go have a hug." (laughs) Those things will happen. Like, that's the truth. Like, people are going to be like, "No, I'm done with this." Like, so I, I think I feel like we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel, and. I think this will probably be a thing that comes in waves here and there. That's going to be part of like the new normal for us for a little while. Like in the same way that like Islamic terrorism is like a new normal, but not really something you necessarily think about on a daily basis anymore. Like how often do we have terrorist attacks in America from, you know, people from Al Qaeda? It's, it's pretty low yield in 2020 much less any other year. So I think that stuff stuff like this will be a thing we're aware of. And I think we'll adjust to it, and there'll be things that change. And that will be that. There we go. I think that's all that we really have to say about it, because there's not much else to add. Besides, you know, things are closed, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's too many unknowns. No need to, like, yeah. get... There's oh, no, no point of speculating at this point. Like, and, and falling into like undue doom, basically. Like, no reason to be like, well, we're never. Everything is going to close forever. We're going back to feudal state. You know, I, like it feels like some people are just <laughs> resigning themselves to like curl up in a ball because they feel like that's the only thing they can control is just being absolutely negative about it. Just like we're in it. We're in another depression. We're in an ice age. We're never going to get out of it. We're all going to die. And it's like, okay, thank you. Uh, I'm going to go step over you in the fetal position, and I'm going to go check out with my groceries. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a thing. But, yeah. Anyway, yeah, sorry, that's, Alex, what you were saying. That, or, no, Alan, that's, that, Alan. that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Like, I mean, look, nobody's happy right now. And, like, you know, it's not unrealistic to sit here and say that at some point it will end. Like... Or being, you know, illogical or overly optimistic. Like, at some point, with us doing this, what we're doing right now, like this kind of social distancing, the lack of anything happening, um, the number of people who are going to get this disease are going to is going to go down. And, like, it's going to get to a certain point, and then we're going to do things like everyone's going to wear masks. And people are going to get their, their temperatures checked a lot. And... It's going to be like that for a while. It may be like that for months. It could be like that for years. And that's just what will happen. Eventually, it'll probably go away. Because either the disease will have effectively, I don't say died out, but it will it will fade. You know, because eventually, like, enough treatment will have taken place. Enough people will be wearing masks and taking preventive measures and washing their hands in OCD-esque fashion that, you know, the spread doesn't happen the same way it used to. And like, that's just the way things are. And, but in the meantime, like we just have to do this for a little bit. Like if we all do this, we'll be better off in the long run, but like, just do this for now. Like what we're doing right now, like don't do anything. I think what you, you say how like everything, it's not going to be like a world where we go back to, after 9-11, where a lot of things changed, a lot of security, a lot of procedures, all that. 
everything will bounce back for the most part because eventually we won't have this disease that's just so hidden and has such a long period of time where you can have it and not even know. But uh, I think what we'll learn most about this is how to react to it, how to be prepared for it if something like this happens again. That's that's what you can learn. That's what you can hope that you can learn the best from. Yeah, yeah, or like, or there'll be things like you learn, like you said, like how to prevent this again in the future. Like, you know, it's going to be about control, control and monitoring to some degree, especially of like people transiting in and out of the country. Like, you know, I, I doubt that they're going to let people just like get off airplanes from a country that has a COVID outbreak anymore. Like, it's no big deal. Like. That is not yeah. going to happen. You know, yeah. like, there's going to be thermometers, there's going to be an expectation that you're going to be, you know, isolating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all that stuff is going to change. And, like, tuberculosis never went away. Like, it's still there. Like, people get it and they die all the time. <clears throat> but it's not like it was in the 30s. Like, and th this is going to be the same thing. Obviously, it spreads a little bit more than that, but also isn't as deadly. So... You know, I'm I'm just saying that, like, at some point, it'll go down, and, like, there'll be parts of this that we subconsciously think about, but to say that, like, we won't, we'll never go back to Disney World, and <laughs> it's going to be terrible, like, it's just, like, there are parks opening in, up in China, you know, like, you can go ride the 4D coaster at Dinosaurs, uh, China Dinosaurs Theme Park, whatever it's called there, um, mm -hmm. Dino Pandia, and, like, that. You can wear, you can ride it. You just have to go into that park and wear a mask, and they're limited to like thirty percent capacity. And I, I think all the parks are going to think about different ways to operate under the this kind of measure. Like, um, to use everybody's favorite guy, drunk at Disney, um, I do think standby could be eliminated in the short term, um, and greatly limited numbers of people will be allowed in Disney World in the short term, in order to reduce that crowd contact like there's not going to be parades um you know stuff where you'd have people like all congregating <clears throat> in a close area is just not going to happen so yeah think, entertainment this year is done regardless of parks open or close yeah or, uh, like, open at any point yeah I, I but like there's gonna be little operational things and i'm sure they're thinking of it now like you may have instead of having hired people to work your um to work like crowd control for parades like you'll just put them in the queue line and those people just make sure like every hundred feet in a really long queue line like avatars or uh, indiana jones that people are properly spaced like stuff like that will happen you know and there's gonna be like weird things that like we never talk about happening anymore like if everybody's spaced out like this for let's say the next three four five years or longer oh please god no it could happen like this is this a possibility you know, if that happens, like, will we ever talk about line jumping again? As we all sit here and think, maybe it was all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, there's stuff like that where you're going to be like, oh, that was a concern I had once. And now it doesn't exist because stuff changed. Like, I know that sounds weird, but, like, that's, you know, that's how these dominoes fall. Like, we may never again talk about how you know, the Brazilian tour groups are just ruining Disney because, you know, people don't, people won't access Disney World from outside on-property hotels for months or possibly years in order to reduce 
the number of people going into the hotel or into the parks to begin with. Like, there's all sorts of stuff like that that could be weird or unexpected side effects that you haven't even <clears throat> thought of. Definitely, like, the, the tour groups in general just can't exist because you can't have 50 people in that close contact. So, stuff like that is just not going to be there anymore. And, like, you'll we'll actually forget that that stuff ever existed. Um, like, some of the stuff at other parks that have closed or disappeared, like Astroworld, for example. <laughs> Yes. So let's slide into tonight's topic. We kind of hinted at it for a while. Uh, let's talk about one of the weirdest, most unique parks, I would argue, um, that used to exist in North America, Astroworld. Uh, Alan, do you kind of want to head this up and kind of talk about the history, and then we'll talk about our experiences and trips to the park and the kind of crazy-ass rides that were there? Sure. So uh, let's let's kind of quickly go back to the time frame that we're talking about here. So this is uh, basically mid-1960s. This is at the beginning of the regional theme park boom that took place, basically from about the time Six Flags Over Texas opens in 61 until roughly the, the centennial year, uh, bicentennial year of 1976. A ton of parks opened over that time frame. Um, one of the parks on the earlier end of that was Astroworld. Now, Astroworld is part of a large development that was constructed, uh, right next to downtown Houston. Um, you know, very famously is named the Astroworld because it was next door to the Astrodome. Um, and, you know, I believe they shared parking, uh, for a long period of time. Um, we'll definitely dive into that. Yes. Issue. <laughs> so, so Astroworld was constructed. It was uh, a Randall Dual Park, uh, one of you know his earlier parks. He designed tons of theme parks across the world, and the park operated for little over forty years, or little over thirty years, like about thirty-five years. Um, opened up in the late nineteen sixties, so nineteen sixty-eight. Um, you know, again, kind of like very classic regional theme park of the time, modeled in many ways after Disneyland in terms of the separate sections, um, and a lot of very similar kind of things that you would expect from Disneyland, and really not that far off in terms of quality compared to 1960s, 1970s era Disneyland. So, like, they had the Alpine Valley, which had a Von Roll aerial tramway, just like Disneyland, um... It had a very small children's area. It had a European village. It had a Americana Square, which was the sort of the main entry plaza area. It had a Wild West area. It had the Oriental Corner. And it had Plaza del Fiesta, which was obviously a Mexican-themed area, um, as well as Modville, which has this sort of like 1950s-esque futuristic idea, kind of like... Um, in some ways, you can kind of compare it to what, you know, the sort of timeless Tomorrowlands that were sort of re-envisioned from the late 1980s on kind of were like that, too. Uh, just in terms of, like, creating a retro version. At that stage, it was not quite as retro, given it was only, like, a 1950s version in the 60s, but you get the idea. Um, probably its most well-known early ride was the Alpine Sleigh Ride, which was a huge... 
uh, dark ride attraction with a massive air conditioning system to keep it cold. Um, but there were a number of other really impressive and cool rides there. It had the first uh, su- successful aero suspended coaster. So the bat was the very first one at King's Island. It lasted one year. Um, <laughs> Astroworld got theirs, and boy, were they different. Um, it had basically one of the first kind of like aero crossover coasters, kind of like Excalibur and uh, the Gemini coasters that Cedar Fair has with what is now called, what was later called Excalibur itself, uh, and opened as the Dexter Freebish electric roller ride, and also had the world's first River Rapids ride in Thunder River. So it had a lot of interesting, you know, kind of newish rides. It also had unique rides that you would not necessarily have expected at an American park. Well after Six Flags took it over, uh, they installed, for example, the four-inversion portable coaster from Anton Schwarzkopf called Thriller, known as Taz's Texas Tornado. Um, They had the only Togo Ultra Twister that was ever located in the United States. They had an S&S ride called the Sky Swat. Uh, It was named Swat at the park. Very short-lived attraction that ended up moving away, and we'll get into that later. And uh, in my mind, you know, as a coaster enthusiast, I think the ride that really defines this park even more so than Alpine Sleigh Ride, uh, which I never got the chance to ride, and this ride I never got a chance to ride either because it was closed the day I was there, uh, was Texas Cyclone. And uh, Texas Cyclone, I think, you know, we can get into what that ride meant ultimately to wood coaster design moving forward into the 80s, but uh, Texas Cyclone, when it was constructed, you know, and I'm sure Alex can... kind of back me up on this, was considered by a lot of people as sort of the the ride, like the top thing that existed. Um, anyways, Astroworld was a park, and I guess we could start, before we start talking about why it, it, it went wrong, and really the park did nothing wrong, it actually made money all the way up until the end, let's talk about the park itself. Okay. So, I guess that's for me now. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> when did everyone visit? Let's start with that, right? Are we, we're talking about... Yeah, yeah. Um, Alex, do you want to talk about your visits then? I think I should stay the least, because I went the second to last weekend. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go real quick. Um, in high school, I was part of robotics, and they had a championship event that would go around, and... Um, they actually started out in the parking lot of Epcot, of all places, for their championship. And they soon outgrew their small Disney accommodations and had to expand. And their first expansion after Epcot was uh, going to Astro World and Houston. Um, they didn't do very well that first year, but that's just because, you know, they went from like having Disney do everything to themselves basically having to do everything. Um but one of the uh, things you could do with, when we went down to the park was they actually opened up Astroworld for a day for everyone. So we went and we went to Astroworld, and I got to ride a bunch of the rides. Um, unfortunately, um, and this was also the last year, 2005. Um, problem was is that um, when I went, almost everything was running except for SWAT. 
excuse me, which was the ride I really actually wanted to ride, uh, hilariously, um, because it was like, I don't know, I think I was like obsessed with SNS Power at that time because of Hypersonic XLC and how it was, it feels like every year SNS had like a crazy new concept for some ride, whether it be, you know, the Thrust Air or the, um, the, uh, what, Alan, what was it? It was the, uh, the, the launched, um, ski, the launched, um, all-terrain vehicle. Snowmobile. Yeah, snowmobile. Yeah, yeah. Um, they built one of those. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, like the, you know, like the, the Screaming Squirrel or whatever. So this was, um, this weird, weird, weird ride that I wanted to check out. But, um, I also wanted to go there because I knew they had, um, Batman the Escape. They had... Um, Texas Cyclone, they also had Ultra Twister, and that was definitely the one that I waited the longest to ride, because it's freaking Ultra Twister. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of, I, I was just there a very short amount of time, I was there for like an afternoon-evening situation, um, it was in, in early in the season, um, but yeah, it was just kind of really weird and bizarre park, and, um... Yeah, uh, that's about it, really. Uh, you know, I, I just we just went that one time, and it was kind of one of the first parks outside of the Ohio, Pennsylvania, like area, because or the Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia area, because that's where I lived at that time. Um, you know, like I, I wasn't hitting up other too many other parks unless they were in Florida, um, at that point in time. So it was, it was just totally bizarre to hit up a, a, like a, another local park that isn't part of my normal repertoire, which is, you know, now pretty normal for me, but back in the day, much, much rarer. Um, that's kind of when I went. Um, Alan or Alex, which one? Do you want to go, Alex? I'll, I'll go, because okay, Alex yeah. was the last of us to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went on a trip in 2004, mm-hmm. so April of 2004, and... Um, the parks that I visited on this trip, it was the first and only time I've been in New Orleans. And um, so we went to Jazzland, which was open, Blue Bayou Dixie Landing, and Six Flags Astral World. If you had told me that within five years, the only one of those parks <laughs> that would still be open was Blue Bayou Dixie Landing <laughs> in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I would have laughed at you. And yet, that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, Astro World was it was not it was just part of the, the general trip idea. We flew into New Orleans. It was me and my mom. I was like nineteen, I think, um, something like that. No, this is two thousand four. So yeah, nineteen, nineteen. I want to say, um, no, no, I was older than that. I take that back. I would have been twenty one, um, and. You know, I, I yeah, I still did trips with my mom when I was twenty one. You know, mm-hmm. so do you, Joe? So like, so yeah. did Alex, I think. So yeah. whatever, it's, it's fine. Like, I'm allowed at that age. Uh, and that year we did uh, a couple of trips out to Texas. We did one to Dallas and one to Houston. And um, oh no, you know what? I take that back. Now I'm, I was wrong. It was April of two thousand and two is when I went to these parks. Not 2004, 2002. My apologies. Uh, So it was actually earlier, so I was like 17. So 
or you, no, whatever it was, some some number, nineteen. It was a number that was a long time ago because I'm old now. <laughs> I'm really old. An, an uncomfortably large number. Yeah, an uncomfortably like it's a number that like I can't even. I can't do the basic math in my head at this stage, and it's really disturbing me, both as to how long ago it was and how young I would have been at this time. Oh, come on, everyone at this point sometimes forgets how old they are. Yeah, I mean, this is this is 18 years ago that I went on this trip, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know. once you get past that age of 25, when you can rent the rental car. Without all those fees, it's just like okay, who, who the hell cares? Just, what yeah, as long as you got the money to do it, like it's easy then. But you know, back then, um, yeah. So, anyways, it was it was cool. It was nice to go there. Um, I thought it was an interesting. It's a very flat park, and it's obviously a very hot park, which were complaints that I always heard about it. But and you know, I didn't get to ride Texas Cyclone, which that year had just had. The coffin cars removed on it, which really bummed me out because I was really excited to ride that, uh, having heard it was so much better without the coffin cars. Um, but I did get to ride so many of the other things <laughs> that they had there, like Excalibur and Mind Mindbender and Accelerate. And um, you know, it's it was an interesting park. Um, it wasn't a great park, you know, and. And certainly Six Flags in 2002 was not the best company to be running a park. But it wasn't. It certainly wasn't a terrible park. And it definitely had interesting stuff. And um, uh, we'll kick it over to Alex real quick. Yeah, so I went um, with my mother, even though I was 21 at this point. I don't think I'd been on a... I'd done, like, road trips before, but I had never done a plane trip before. So... I think she was kind of interested in it because it was like this park that was like seemingly close for no reason. Um, but uh, yeah, and it was also the weekend that the the World Series World Series was taking place in uh, Houston. Oh wow! So, <laughs> yeah, because I remember we went to try to like do a tour of it, and they were like, "No tours." And then we got there, and there there was a tour being done, and we're like, "What the?" <laughs> because <laughs> i just wanted to see the place because it's a really cool baseball stadium anyways um yeah so we, i went the second to last weekend uh i was i was just like i need to go to this place like this is important like a lot of these rides are towards their end of their service life a lot of them are not gonna be moved and that's the case like what two coasters are operating from then yeah two the slc and the Vacoma Mark uh, Mark Seven Hundred. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So yeah, I spent uh, Friday night there and the Saturday, I believe, and um, it was busy because everyone was trying to get you know the last rides in. I think I was only able to ride like Grease Lightning and and Ultra Twister twice, out of choice, really. Ultra Twister was like that's one of the first rides I think I saw on the internet. I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> I need, to... and then I found that was at a Great Adventure eventually, and I was like, "I missed that." What the hell? I mean, I was too young. Like, uh, I missed it because I was too young. Um, but Ultra Twister was like nothing else. Like that that thing is so much fun. Like no one ever talks about the ejector airtime that thing has. 
off the left hill and the second hill. And I don't know. You still could build that thing, and I think people would be like, what the heck is that? If you built one of those things today. So it's definitely my bucket list to go to that one with the, the well, any of them in Japan, and then especially the one with the dive loop. But as far as the rest of the park goes, I mean, it, it definitely needed some help. The, the the condition it was in, but at the same point, it still had a really good bones, and it was just it just seems so such just it just seems so worthless to to, uh, to close this place. Um, I mean, I, the the coolest thing is at one point this place had three Scorchkoffs, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. I don't think any other park has ever had more than two at once. And uh, unfortunately, I rode that third one two years prior so that that's good when it was at discovery kingdom for its short little run but uh texas cycling you were talking about it like the history on that is just incredible like at one point they wanted to actually move the original cyclone there because it was during the era where the cyclone was pretty much abandoned and in terrible shape um do you know? I, I, can't, I can't remember the history of what they just decided it was more economical to build a new one, right? I think it was a combination of factors because it, you know somewhere around that time frame is also when the Astro Land, as it ended up becoming, uh, you know, the Coney Island Cyclone that Astro Land ended up being basically the managers of, it became like a national historic landmark. Yeah, and got protected by the city. So, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened there where I think it just became a non-starter for Astro World to move the ride. And along with it, you know, they had the opportunity to potentially improve on the overall design of it. And that was largely, I think, the take that most people had about that ride when it first opened. I I remember, I mean, I vaguely remember, of course. I had one ride, and it was 15 years ago. But the one takeaway I remember from it was they, the way they stacked the track in the turnarounds, especially the far one, The when you were dropping down the lower layers of it, the head choppers of just the track stacked on top of you was... To this day, I, I don't remember being so scared by head choppers ever. I understand why they had those coffin cars. I'm surprised they <coughs> ever removed the the wraparound <coughs> headrests. I mean, I actually heard enthusiasts, actually, one idiot enthusiast reach his hand out after they put the took off the coffin cars and really screwed up his hand because uh. he was reaching out where he wasn't supposed to. I mean, that's the whole reason why they had them. I love I love. To. I was going to actually say something about that, and I'm glad that you uh, were the person willing to to mention that that happened. I think it was at a Coaster Zombies event. Like oh, 05. was it? I didn't even know it was at a Coaster event. I just uh... yeah, it was during an ERT. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they hushed that one up pretty fast, and uh, I don't know what Sam Marks is up to, but he 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 at one point was threatening to sue Astro World. Um, <laughs> I think he claimed that like there was a piece of wood that was loose, and that's why the guy injured his injured himself. But, no, 
somebody was he reached in, out, and everybody yeah. knows he reached out. Like those were freaky things. On any wood coaster, you should not be reaching. Reach up as much as you want, but on most wood coasters, do not reach out, especially older ones like uh, Thunderhawk. It's third drop. <laughs> I, I did something stupid when I was younger, and uh, I'll tell you what. Just yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, just a bad idea in general. Bad idea, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Cyclone was incredible. It, it did have its stalls. I mean, the Morgans were Morgans. I, you know, it's funny. is like we always crapped on the Morgans back in the day, but they really weren't that bad. It, they had issues, of course, but they were decent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um the one thing I regret heavily, 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 heavily is my first ride on acceler- Accelerator, I was like, oh, okay, I want to ride forwards because, you know, I want to see what's going on. And then I never rode it again. So I never rode it backwards. I regret that to this day. Like, only Arrow, you know, th- that was done, I imagine, because Arrow was out of business by that time. That was probably done by the park's maintenance just screwing around. Like, they didn't get approval for that. There was no manufacturer to get approved it from. I, I, I have to assume. But that... Because I feel like we would have seen that from other... Like, at least Ninja, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that was a shame that I didn't get to experience that. And then their looping star? It's a looping star that Viper was, I believe. Um... That that was a solid squash cop. It had a good lineup of coasters. Um, there wasn't anything that stood out like there wasn't like anything that was like top ten immediately. But it wasn't anything like there wasn't anything just terrible except for the SLC, of course. Okay, you know I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that. What? Yes. Uh, so okay, Astroworld has some unique rides for sure that were cool, like Grease Lightning, Ultra Twister. Um, Viper, which was the 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 looping star from Schwarzkopf that we mentioned. Texas Cyclone was probably good without coffin cars. That was the general consensus. I have no reason to not believe it. Oh, okay. Batman was bad. Forgot about that one. Batman <laughs> Batman was bad. Yeah, yeah. Um the SLC also bad. And I think we have to talk about accelerate. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't bad it was just boring it did nothing yeah i the reason why it was a successful model and the bat wasn't is because accelerate was incredibly boring and did none of the cool things that any of the other suspended coasters ever did at the same on. time the same year big bad wolf did open that is such a tragedy that like one part gets such a good ride and the other part gets that I mean, it ran for 20 years. I, I can't really argue that point, but Accelerate, if you want to see, like, a bad POV, like, of a ride where you're just like, this this happened, um, there were there were used to be all sorts of really bad, like, you know, names for Accelerate on coaster forums way back in the day. I liked uh, people putting a D in front of the XLR. It's <laughs> silly. um it it, it's there um i I don't know like it or it was there it's a past tense and and batman 
you know, I have the unfortunate, uh, you know, historical capacity to say that I've been on many of these Intamin multi, or not multi, but inverting stand-up coasters, and they were all uniformly terrible, uh, this one being no different. Um, the trains were just odd. To say yeah. the least. I mean, it looks like a B&M, and so you think, okay, maybe it'll just be like a bad B&M stand-up. But then it was way worse. Um, I don't know why they thought like having one of the shoulder parts like fixed, where you kind of just slipped your hand in, and then the other half just came down. I, I, that's another story. But, uh, yeah, there were only three of them, so it's not like there were a ton of them. No, I, I wrote all of them. Luckily enough. <laughs> oh, thank um, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that I was able to suffer through all three hideous rides. Um, and you had one one backwards, didn't you? I did. Hugging the restraint. Yes. Yeah, I don't I, think they do that anymore. I don't think they do that either. <laughs> uh, uh, that will go... Uh, you know, that has already passed into the long, dark night that perhaps... Um, things like line jumping will, you know, is standing oh up God, backwards. Can you imagine, like, your the face into the, the back shot. of the, the headrest on the accelerator? Right, today, like, <laughs> with the current environment of doing that, just imagine, like, <clears throat> there's, I'm pretty sure there's video of it online of me on that ride backwards. And this was, this was park-sponsored. We were all allowed to do it. Um... Everybody did it. If you were a cool kid, you had to do it too. And then you did it and you're like, oh, that was still bad. And actually way less comfortable because, you know, it's not... It was ergonomically made for you to face the other way. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Uh, anyways, the point is, Texas Cyclone, I was actually trying to find a good quote uh, from a friend of mine, Mike Saunders, in regards to the Texas Cyclone, but the Texas Cyclone was at its peak when it first opened. We should note, too, like, it didn't open with Morgan Trains. It opened with four bench PTCs. Yeah, because they wanted to recreate it to this tex uh, the, the original Cyclone as, as close as possible, so that's why they did that. Except they made it taller, is my recollection. Yes, yes, it's um, taller. So they made it bigger and faster and meaner. Um, this was kind of... This was this was a Bill Cobb ride, and it was really his first. I would say it was the ride that really put him on the map, like as far as like a guy that you know people would go ride his stuff. Um, I mean, there's this, and then there was the Riverside Cyclone, which followed in '83, and both of those rides were just they were of the classic style of ride. So wood coasters. Historically, the pacing of those rides is not like it is now, where it constantly flows like from one element to the other. It was like serious threat to life, something slow. Serious threat to life, something slow. Like that was pretty much the way it operated. Like it wasn't like each element was a big thing on its own, and then like you'd go around a slow fan turn. And then you come down the other side of it, and then there'd be a really steep drop. And then you slowly roll over the top of the hill, so that when you come down the other side, it's just 
meaner than hell. Like, that was the way that those rides operated. Texas Cyclone was that, and it was basically, like, the ultimate in super violence. Yeah, because the the, the closing weekend, there was only running one train because I think... I think it was like maybe earlier that week during a test run or the weekend prior, one of the trains had valid, which it was known to do, especially with the lighter Morgan trains. So that was that's why I only got to ride it once because it was running one train. And, uh, you know, one thing I'll point out, too, is like Texas Cyclone historically, um, you know, one of the reasons like coffin cars came up was because of lawsuits about things like neck injuries so you know for some reason they thought that would help it i don't know how a big piece of fiberglass was going to fix things but that was their attempt and uh yeah so i don't know that it actually benefited anybody it's kind of one of those things where like they tried to fix it and it got worse at least in my mind that's kind of what i think happened um but i wish i could have gone on it Joe, do you have any memories of the Texas Cyclone? I don't remember it that much. I think I wrote it. I just don't remember it that much. That's the problem. Um, My fondest remembrance of the park was waiting forever to ride Batman and riding uh, uh, riding, uh, Ultra Twister. Um, And and the the gripping disappointment of uh, SWAT being closed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I I don't remember. I purposely it I purposely skipped SWAT because I knew that it was like a nearly brand new ride. I'm like that's gonna get moved somewhere, so I'll just ride it when it gets moved, which mm-hmm. which I did. <laughs> was so it you even, got on it? Was new it ever England? good? Um, I only rode it once at New England. It was interesting. I mean. <laughs> Famous, famous ride. last words. It's interesting. It was interesting. It was a flippy ride. It, I guess it was. I don't know. I didn't. I, I don't. It didn't leave a lasting. And it wasn't like. Oh my god! It's like the best spot ride I've ever been on. But it was okay. Oh, okay. You rode it a bunch, right? Because you were in that area when it was open, right? Alan. Um. Sorry, I phased out. No, I never rode it. I oh. never got on it when it was at New England. I was kind of, during the period that it was at New England, I had just been kind of out of doing stuff. I know that sounds weird, but, like, I just didn't do very much for, like, a two, three-year period. Oh, I didn't do anything for, like, five years, so it's, uh, I understand. (laughs) Yeah, it was just, it was just during that time frame, and I was just like, I don't, you know, uh, the Mm mid-2000s. You needed a break. Everyone needs a break. I needed a break. I had, like, a lot of burnout, because I did a lot of stuff early on, park-wise, and, um, you know, the fact is that I, I just wasn't interested, especially back then, to going to Six Flags New England was just not appealing on any level. Like, it's never been a particularly well-run park. Um, it, it It's actually better now than it probably was when I was a kid by a long shot. But it's never been, a lot of times it's not like a pleasant place to go. It's it's kind of a really compressed park that is way underbuilt for the kind of crowds that it typically gets. And, you know, when it's busy, it's a Six Flags park. It can be miserable. It's not fun. You're hot. 
you're sweaty, nothing's running competently, nobody's like doing anything or putting in any effort. And you just don't want to be there. And like, so I just didn't want to be there for years. And uh, I never got to write it, which is unfortunate. But, you know, for me being kind of the purist that I am, <clears throat> Six Flags New England basically, you know, destroyed the Riverside Cyclone. And that removed a huge part of why I wanted to go to that park. Um, that's also why I always kind of look at at the Texas Cyclone with such interest. Like, we don't really have any great POV footage of the ride from the time frame. I think there might be some on one of the uh, Vincent Price coaster videos. <laughs> like, in all seriousness. Yeah, yeah. But, but, like, it's just not a park that had a ton of footage that was available from from the period that I was most interested in seeing the footage. Like, there's just not a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, I don't uh, think I've ever seen a POV of the Dark Ride or anything close to it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, we know it exists, right? Like, we know that, that, that the ride exists, and there was probably someone that shot video on it at some point, but there's a lot of rides in that time frame, especially like the 70s, where, you know, just straight up, we don't know, we don't know what it looked like. You know, like, we just don't. There was nothing that was shot, nothing videotaped, nothing out there. So People are more interested in taking photos of themselves at the park than, like, of the things at the park. Very much that era. You know, when you, you, you never got, like, a photo of, of just the coaster itself. You get a lot of people standing in front of the coaster, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? Well, I mean, you still have that today with selfies, but then you have this other side set of, you know, us crazy people just yeah. decide to take pictures of roller coasters. <laughs> well, you can get, what I'm saying is like, like there, yeah. it seems like that there is a very distinct time frame when it was, you're going to the park, so you're taking photos of yourself at the park as opposed to sure. yeah. what's, what's there. Just well, this was your, own. like, this is your Disneyland. Like, it was, it was your Disneyland in your hometown. Mm-hmm. And all these parks were built like that. And, I mean, you if you look at the first map of, like, this park and Six Flags Over Texas, like, Six Flags Over Texas, if you look at the first park map, it's, like, unrecognizable, practically. Because they were trying to copy Disneyland so closely. Also, yeah, I remember, like, they had, I remember to get rid of their, they had to get rid of their, uh, their Confederate land, too. Probably another reason why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, but, like, but, like that, you too. and I, Joe, you know, when we went there... Uh, a couple of years ago, you know, we were even talking about that looking at the map. It's like, it doesn't, it didn't take, uh, it's not impossible to see, like, how close it was to what Disneyland was, and then, like, how much it changed, you know, in a relatively short period of time to be nothing like what Disneyland is now. And, you know, like, how how those changes took place. Um and, and Astroworld's kind of the same thing. Like, you have this giant building that's air-conditioned, that's a dark ride, and then, like, you just kind of let it waste away, and then you turn it into a crappy walkthrough for a few years, and then you're done. Well, they, the biggest problem was it was filled with asbestos. So that, when, they, that, yeah, just when they discovered that, they had to close it off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just, you know, there's some stuff that's just kind of a bummer about it, you know, in that sense. But they did build cool things, like 
uh, Mind Mindbender is a weird ride historically that existed, you know? Yeah, um, it was really weird. And, like, it's it's surprising. Like, you looked at that building from outside, and you're like, wow, this looks like this is going to be a really big roller coaster. And then you look at it when they finally... Because this was actually... It was its second home. It was at Bobolo Island yes. in technically Canada. Mm-hmm. And it was also enclosed there. But then, you know, this third life at Wonderland in West Texas, it's outside, and you look at it, and it just looks like... It's, like, smaller than a roller skater. Yeah. It's, it's minuscule. <laughs> it basically just looks like helixes. Like, it's pretty much just going around in circles, which is... Yeah, everyone said was it makes all these rights and then one left at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were a lot of, like, funny stories I heard. There was one story about... Uh, people went to the media day for serial thriller, the SLC that opened there. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing somebody claim that they actually heard the train make a kathunk sound. And after that, it was rough forever. And that, that's, <laughs> one of those, that's one of those great coaster stories that you know is completely full of shit. But it's so good, you don't want it to be. Like, you're willing to share it anyways, even though you know it's not true. Because it just sounds so good. Like... I wrote it and it was smooth, but then it made a noise and it was bad forever. Like, come on. <laughs> like, nobody believes that. But, like, that dude totally convinced at least, like, three, four of his friends that that was true. Um, probably, like, they showed up late and he had, like, eaten a whole bunch of the cheese plates and fruit that were left out and, like, the free Danishes. And they were like, they were like, oh, man. Steve or whatever his name was. Steve, bro, like how is how's serial thriller? Like, we know it's gonna suck. And he's like, Oh, you guys should have been here thirty minutes ago. It was awesome. <laughs> but then you just took your time trying to show up to the park and now it's garbage. And it will never be good again. You missed out on the four good rides ever. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> like Yeah. Like people say that stuff, like it's kind of like the classic, like, the Beast Never Had Breaks stories. Mm-hmm. And then, like, now there's video of, like, the Beast had breaks on opening day. They had breaks during testing. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, no. Yeah. it's They've been there the whole time. No. Like, people just lie. And then the lies, because they sound so fantastic and so good, like, they become the truth. And that's kind of, like, that's that's... That's definitely true, I think, with serial thrillers history. Um, and to some degree, it may even be true about Texas Cyclone. Like, as much as I would love to believe that it was the baddest thing ever, you know, it's it might have been the baddest thing ever when it opened in 1976. But, like, what was its competition that was being built in 1976? Like, John Allen out and back coasters. That was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So... It was a very radical ride for the time frame, even though it was basically a duplicate of an existing coaster from 50 years prior. And I I think that, you know, that probably played a huge role in how exciting it was to people. Like, people just... Classic analogy I'm going to use from... My, uh, I don't want to say he's my good friend, but my acquaintance on the internet, Raven Mac. Watching baseball is for when you're like 1912 bored. <laughs> like, I love baseball, but it's true. Like, there's, it's not a particularly engaging game. And in like 
a time frame when like you could die of scarlet fever and like movies didn't even have sound yet um baseball was was fucking next level like you were ready to watch golf like bobby jones that was your boy you were dead serious about watching golf and baseball and horse racing <laughs> and um boxing and boxing I'm not going to talk bad about boxing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we can't do that. Either. Yeah, I can't do that. Um, so, you know, that's that's what you did, and it's cool. Like, pro wrestling matches were six hours long. Like, I don't, they weren't actually that long, but, like, Ed Strangler-Lewis matches were really, really long, and they all involved mat work that everyone would hate now. So, you know, it was a different era, and you could do different stuff that wasn't quite as as exciting and that's true in like the 70s too with wood coasters so my guess is it probably wouldn't match up really well in the era now against stuff like the voyage or el toro or thunderhead or lightning rod or anything like that but in 1976 terms especially with the fact that it had single position lap bars on big, heavy four-bench trains, it probably tried to kill you in the back. And uh, that's something... And and you would have known really strongly that it was trying to kill you because you would have been removed from the seat physically multiple times by a matter of many inches. And then, you know, now that doesn't exist anymore. So I think if it, if it operated today, it would be... Like, it just probably wouldn't even be that fun in some ways. Like, it would be, like, ratcheting lap bars and the hard plastic and all the rest of it. Um, so it may be that it worked out in some ways that it, it lives better in memory than it would if it were in the present day. The, con- um, the concept of it is better than the actual the actuality of what it was. Yeah, yeah. That might be true. Of course, I never. I'm also saying this is a guy that's bitter because it was closed all day. <laughs> there. True. I had a fast pass for it and everything. I was ready. And their fast passes back then were great too. They were like you went to a booth in the middle of the park in O2 and you got like pieces of paper. And I still have mine in a scrapbook somewhere. Like it's just like a little cardboard like business card like thing with different colors on it that had the ride name. So we had Texas Cyclone ones, and yeah, it never ran. So I think uh, they did. I think they foregoed that the last few weekends for whatever reason. Because I feel like I would have invested in that. I don't know. One of the saddest stories I remember was like just sitting out front of the Cyclone, and some little kid was like, "I'm too scared. I'll ride it next year." And then mom was like, "There's going to be a next year, sweetie." <laughs> there, there is no next year. Yeah, um, I think uh, before we get to the next part, and we should also our next segment, we should also mention that it did have a really early water park. 1983, they opened Waterworld, not to be confused with the terrible movie. Um, and uh, I don't know, I think that's just something to be commended. To. I mean, Texas that makes complete sense though. Um, when I was there, it was already uh, pretty much demolished. I remember going up Accelerate and seeing like it was pretty much all rubble at, at that point. Okay. I, I never went, so I can't comment on it. I didn't either, but I figured that's one part of the history we didn't cover. 
just mention it quickly. Um, but I feel like we need to get to the closure. Um, I, there's two. I mean, there's two more things I want to talk about. I mean, is there anything else with Ultra okay. Twister we want to cover? Uh, I'm, when it got moved to Six Flags America, I was just like, yes. Of all the things to be within like three hours, that was amazing. And then it sat there, and then it got scrapped. And I was just like, "Oh, you fucking tease!" <laughs> that sucked. Uh, it's a shame. I was really surprised when it actually got moved. Like, I was surprised that they would even consider moving that. It just was a Togo. You know, Togo was out of business at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I liked Ultra Twister, but it also was it was also such a unique experience, and that's why I liked it. It's not because it was like good. Does that make sense? Like, like for anyone, yeah. Sorry, I always say it. Novelty is better than good sometimes. Yeah, and and I think that's fair. Yeah, Um, for anyone who doesn't know what Ultra Twister is, um, if you ever played Roller Coaster Tycoon, and you had the, I think it was the Heartline Roller Coaster, is what they named it in the in the. In Roller Coaster Tycoon, it's the one where you're basically in a tube, is the best way to put it, and you don't make turns. Instead, there's a mechanism that switches tracks, and you go up, and you do heartline rolls, and then you switch tracks and come back around. Um, yeah, it was such a unique experience, and just absolutely, totally weird. Um, and and I'm, I'm happy I waited for it. But yeah, I, I agree, on like... You know, uh, novelty trumps good sometimes, and a lot of times. Uh, anything? Anything else with Ultra Twister? I, you know, I, I didn't really talk about, it, but I, I liked it. It was a fun ride. Um, I mean, I, I wish there was still one in America. Uh, I, we're lucky that we still have four operational in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, fingers crossed. I mean, definitely, I think pretty strongly the Nagashima Spa Land one's going nowhere. Um, the other ones are at like, I would call them less certain parks, Brazilian park, Washusland Highland, which is in, um, Okiyama prefecture is a, a strange park. Like many of the Japanese parks are, I mean, realistically, most of them are weird as hell. And that one is no different. Um, they have one, there's an ultra twister at, uh, Greenland park, which is, a Fairly substantive park. It's got nine coasters, probably also a safe one. And then the one that really interests me is the one that Alex was referring to also at Rusutu Resort. Right. We talked about that recently because... uh, I can't recall. Why did we talk about that recently? Because everything's bad in Japan. Oh, Venus is going there. That's right. It's the storage. Yeah, that, that Ultra Twister is interesting because it doesn't have the stop and the reverse track, it does a dive loop. So, like, where does it turn you around? In the station? Right Is before that... the station, it, it just has a turntable. A turntable? Interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of <laughs> so like... imagine if it didn't, and then, like, every other ride, it just went backwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I also like that that particular ride debuted at the World Food Festival. Um... So it went from the World Food Festival to the park that it's at now. So I'm I'm glad that that happened. Um, that that you know people were 
both able to get ramen and ride a really crazy ultra twister coaster. Oh, I had no idea it was relocated ever. Is I that... I didn't either until I just literally read that right now. That must so. have been like, discovered more recently because I know I've never seen that before on that page. But I digress. Yes, uh, yeah, it's possible nobody knew until now. Like somebody was like, "Oh yeah, we just kind of like when they found out that there's a five train." Or five track racing coaster at the expo. Oh, yeah, I know that thing is just weird. In Osaka, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's kind of get to the the part at the end here. Oh, so, there's one one other last thing to cover because it's oh, so sure. weird. Is Thunder River? Yeah. Um, um, it it was the first uh, ever uh, river raft ride, and it was developed by Intamin AG. Um, what stands out most for me, and I, I didn't go on the ride, so if you, if either of you have, I would like to hear, is just how it was designed. Because most river raft ri- river raft rides nowadays, especially in North America, are basically a small. It, it basically funnels you through a very tight um, uh, flume. With, you know, river rafts and stuff like that. But this one was designed to be way more like an actual river where it has, uh, you know, narrow segments and wide segments. Um, instead of it being just a ditch, it's it's like the water comes up and is actually, you know, there's like a gradual incline into the water. Um, and, and, and also segments when it's just like wide open and, and the boat can float wherever. Um, it was just kind of really bizarre. Um, Alan, do you have any thoughts or or opinions on it, or or is that kind of basically it? <laughs> no, I mean it's it's an interesting ride, and you know, like I like you said, it's a very historical attraction. Like this is the first of its kind, and it, a lot of times I think people ignore what Six Flags Parks historically brought to the table in terms of innovations. Like the Rapids ride, we kind of look at now and we think of it in many ways as, you know, like, oh, it's always been there. But, like, someone had to be the first to do it, and that was actually, in this case, Astroworld uh, was the park that, that debuted it. Kind of like, same thing with the Mine Train Coaster. like The same thing with the Log Flume. Yeah. Like, same you know, thing with the, the Suspended Coaster. The, yeah, the somebody had to B&M. be first. Yeah, the yeah. Inverted B&Ms, them. Um, yeah, it's it. you're absolutely right. There were, like, some really strange sort of long floaty sections. I think in some ways it reminds me a little bit more of some of the European raft rides because they also tend to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. The European raft rides also tend to just shove one raft after another so you can be passed by rafts. Yeah, I was about to say that. Like, they still operate like that. And, like, Great Adventures used to operate like that, but then boats would stop and people would freak out. So they had to put channels up. Mm-hmm. The- it was kind yeah. of designed for boats to actually sometimes get their motion halted, but America. Yeah, I think the drowning incident that happened at Six Flags Over Texas years later was like a big component in that. Um, yeah, it was part of it too. But I, I was I was told the story uh, from a good friend of mine that you know one of the reasons why these raft rides tend to have those crappy Velcro belts or like you know like really like cruddy seatbelt is so that you can intentionally escape like it's just there to make liability lawyers feel better but they actually don't want you to even use it because it would just hold you upside down Mm -hmm. 
So that's that's like anytime I think about the rap rides, I always think about that as being something that happened. Um. So, anyways, having said all that, so Astro World in the mid two thousands was was still very successful. Uh, it got knocked a lot, like in the fan sector because of the lack of new stuff that would go to the parks. Um, Very much or, a Michigan's adventure kind of situation. Yeah. Or getting second second hand downs and whatnot. Yeah. You know, we haven't even really spent any time to talk about Texas Tornado. Um, <sighs> did you get, did either of you even get to ride that? Because that was also closed when I was there for the record. I don't think I got to ride that, but I'm no, because not... it was gone by then. And it, 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 it was at Marine for a World, few right? years. Yeah, and it was by that time. I think it was done at Marine World because it only operated Marine World for like two years, and it was SNLB at um, uh, Six Flags Asteroid for a few years as well. It, it it did not have a very good life at Six Flags because of. Um, well, the main issue was it wasn't really it wasn't designed for the Texas heat in mind. It was more designed for the 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 Germany, where it is not 110 degrees on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I, it was a combination of things. Like, so Thriller was at the time the second largest portable coaster in the world. Um, kind of, it has like two I think really notable features. As far as like things that it did as a ride, aside from being, you know, having really steep drops and a lot of helices and stuff like that, it has this double inversion that it starts with, <sighs> where it's like a loop that goes into another loop immediately that's alongside of it. And then the last inversion is kind of like the B&M cutback uh, that used to exist. But I think I think there were a lot of different issues. I think one is that it had the accordion restraints and the argument was that the accordion restraints somehow were way worse in America than they were in Europe. Now that I think everyone's been to Europe, I don't think that people necessarily have that same opinion about accordion restraints because they just kind of notice that they're the same just about everywhere. Like they always do come down. That's, that's just how they're designed. Um, and the accordions were these, they were like a shoulder guard that just pressed on your shoulder. Like that was, it was a way to keep you in the train if the lap bars failed, which were kind of engineered in a Schwarzkopf coasters after the disaster at the Mindbender in Edmonton. And, um, in, you know. If you've ever been on Manhattan Express, Big Apple Coaster, whatever you want to call it, at the New York, New York, New York and Las Vegas, the, they were similar to that, where they just kind of come down. But those lock in place. Like, once they're locked, they do not move. These could come down. And as you said, I've never been on them before, so I can't comment on them. But I can just imagine how that would uh, not be fun for your spine. Wait, didn't you ride... Um... Oh, wait, they, you didn't ride Olympia Looping, did you? No, it was not on tour the entire time I was in Europe. Trust me, I would have right. made, made it happen. <laughs> I've heard there are actually some people every once in a while I hear like a quiet murmur of like, actually, it's not very good because of the accordions. Like, there are people that won't actually voice that opinion publicly unless they know it's a safe place to say. Kind of like, I'm not a real big fan of the Mindbender at Edmonton for the same reason. I think it has bad restraints. 
They're they're just flat out terrible. And there's nothing I can say about that. But I'll probably have the if they're bad, I will express that. Like what with Revolution when I wrote with the restraints, I was like, I really like this layout. This is a fun squash cough. But these these restraints are a drawback. So yeah, let's uh, I'll see how that happens once I get on one of them. I, I think there's only three left at this point. Yeah, there's not. It's a pretty short list. Um, yeah, it was towards the end of the, the lifespan, anyways. But uh, no, I didn't ride those because when they moved them to uh, when it moved to um, Six Flags Discovery Kingdom, Astor Marine World, whatever you want to call it, in California, they got new trains from Whelan. Whelan? Whelan's Archkov? His son, whatever his yeah. name is. And they were the over-the-shoulder restraints that were designed to do two things. Uh, get rid of the over-the-head restraints, or the or accordion things for that pain. And they were also designed literally so you could not put your hands up because of the clearance issues. Which there were issues. Yeah, I mean... And I, as far I, as that first two inversions, I don't remember much from... T- from Zanga or T- Tennessee Tornado, or, or Tennessee Tornado, Texas Tornado, whatever you want to call it. But I remember those two inversions, and they, they just did. You look at it and you're like, but they're not supposed to be circular. That that's that's how we figure out not to do loops back in the 1920s. That's that's what hurt people. But these are circular, and they're right next to each other. How is this possible? And they were kind of egg shaped, so they were they weren't like a consistent radius. And the version I wrote was modified, where they actually raise those up and you shorten the first drop and they basically put those two inversions on stilts to lower the g-forces throughout the loops and they were still powerful and they were still ridiculous and i loved that ride and that's one of the credits i was just like oh right time right place i'm so glad i got to ride it i'm jealous of the fact you got on zonga like multiple, multiple so. times too. Like I think I rode it like a half a dozen times. It was great. And I think at this point they've it's it's a scrapped ride, is my recollection. Yeah, uh, we, we remember when we were doing the podcast. We you read that they scrapped it shortly after the incident in Mexico City. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like it had been sitting out in Aguas Calientes for a while, so it wasn't really a shock. But um, Yeah, the, the, the one glimmer of hope that we had was it was uh, Skyline Park in Germany for a short time announced that they were going to buy it and bring it to the park, but then after seeing how much it was going to cost to ship it to Germany, they said uh, no. <laughs> yeah, that and that was that. So... Um, so, you know, that was, this is kind of a classic example, too, of, like, you know, these were the sorts of rides that were brought into that park, which was a very popular park. It was somewhere around 2 million in attendance, I think, you know, like the one half to 2 million range every year. And they consistently brought in rides that just weren't really that appropriate for a big park. Um, you know, obviously they, you know, they had Serial Thriller, which was the last new-build coaster that that park saw and had seen for years, because Batman the Escape, the stand-up, was a used ride. Um, Mind Mindbender was a used ride. Ultra Twister, I think... You have to go back to 1984. (laughs) Oh, jeez. From 1984 to 1992 with an actual new coaster for the park, one that was not relocated from another park. Yeah, so it was a 15-year span 
between new to them coasters, and they never got another one. Obviously, uh, you know what they got after 1999. That was it. Um, so they were a consistent park that did good business for Six Flags, but it did have a couple of issues. Uh, one of those issues being its location near downtown made the land under it worth something. And it was sharing a parking lot with the Astrodome. And then around this time period that we're talking about is when the Houston Texans and Minute Maid Park um, for the Astros started to come into play. And all these changes with new stadiums were coming to Houston. Uh, Reliant Park being sort of the really obvious one because it was there at this point. And so... As there was a need to go ahead and expand the parking, the problem that they then had is the park, I don't want to say it was in the way, but the park wasn't able to have its own real independent parking spaces, and they weren't generating revenue from the parking in the way that other parks that they owned fully did. And... What Six Flags ultimately had to make the determination on around 2005 was how were we going to pay our debts? At that stage, they had spent so much money building up their chain and making acquisitions that they had run themselves basically out of cash. In order to make debt service and not go into bankruptcy, they needed cash quickly. And Astroworld being a park that they owned the land that it was on, but did not own the parking for, and for which it had a uniquely urban location that they could exploit, was the obvious place to quickly flip. And as a result, Astroworld was sold in 2005 and subsequently closed and bulldozed. Really nothing, nothing about the park, nothing about Houston not being able to handle theme parks or attractions or anything. Just kind of a bad luck situation for the people there in Houston who now basically just have nothing but a field and parking lot in the place of Astroworld today. Um, and it's one of the reasons why a lot of people have always had a very suspect opinion of, for instance, Kieran Burke at, at now Premier Parks, used to be Six Flags. Uh, anything either one of you want to say about late-stage capitalism and Six Flags Astroworld? <laughs> Uh, I think I've kind of said my piece on the park. Um, I, I think it's it's such a weird park that not a lot of people got to that it kind of has a mythological, like, it's it's sort of like Horizons for Disney fans, where, you know, like, the people who wrote it are like, yeah, it's, it was good, but, like, it's the people who didn't go there that are, like, trying to really hype it up. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. I, I think it's the biggest park domestically that I can think of that closed during my lifetime. Um, I mean, there's okay. lots of parks that have closed, period, but, like... is that Was that bigger than um, Hard Rock? Yeah. I mean, Hard Rock was only there for two years. Yeah, it wasn't really okay, so not, not just not <laughs> It wasn't just, even established. Yeah, not even... Not even I, I, thought you, by, I thought you meant, like, size and stuff, not... Okay. I, I, yeah, I mean, like, in terms of, like, what it... Like, that and Opryland are, like, the two really obvious Oh, parts. yes, Opryland, Opryland yeah. yeah. Where you'd be, and both of them closed for completely bullshit reasons. Oh, my God, yes. You know, and now, like, now I feel glad that, like, there's a shitty, empty, dead mall 
that uh, cost the parent company that used to own Opryland a ton of money and they had to sell off all their worthwhile assets. Like, you wish you could just rub it in the faces of the CEO, but they don't care because they can still go to the golf course every weekend and, you know, they're ultra rich and it doesn't really matter. Um, I think we have another episode, Alan. Opryland. Yeah, no, there's... there's <laughs> I mean... There's we could actually do like a whole episode just on like the failed parks of the 1970s, you know, like, um, what was that that CNN Center is in now? Uh, oh God, I forgot about that. The Sid and Marty Croft Park, you know, like stuff like that, or or uh, Auto World, which is an 80s park, or Freedom. I mean, like a lot of obviously there's a lot of shows and people that do these programs about defunct parks, um. But there were also a lot of parks that failed, particularly in the 80s, for reasons that had nothing to do with, you know, corporate overexpansion or anything like that. Like, uh, in 1984, there was a, a, a big crisis in liability and insurance, and it took a ton of parks down with it because insurance rates went through the roof, like somewhere between 400 to 1,000% increase. And the guys that were just marginally making money or just kind of doing it more or less as like a rich guy doing a service for the community threw in the towel. And there's a lot of parks like that that people don't know about or haven't heard of or may not necessarily be famous. Um, and there are some that were that, that closed, like Rockaway Park. So I, I think, you know, I, there's always lots of stuff to talk about with this. I, I certainly enjoy doing it. Um, I have one last question for y'all. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let's say they had figured all their little bouts about, you know, with the parking and all those things and everything, you know, this didn't happen. Where do you think the park would be today? With the uh, attractions, what would still be there, what, what they would have invested in, what do you think they would have done? It's fun to speculate for no good reason. Well, a good reason. Podcasting. <laughs> That's a great reason. <laughs> the best reason. Uh, do you want to take a crack at this first, Joe, or do you want me to go? Um, I, I would. My crack is that I, I would say it probably would. If I mean, the biggest problem is obviously that you have a park that is worth more money on it for its land than necessarily. Um, you know, even if they did resolve there parking issues um i i think there's a i could see a situation where this park exists in a way but like i i i still can't get over the fact that it just seems like it would still close of, of in some capacity um i mean like remember we also still like talked about other parks that you know close we still have geauga lake and six flags over ohio slash worlds of fun not Worlds of Fun, no, Worlds of Adventure, whatever. Um, I mean, th- those things closed, and yeah, I, I, I think if if they actually solved the issue with the parking and, you know, making profit from that and stuff, I still don't see it having much of a rosy future, especially um, when you're, you know, diving three, you know, in the next three to four years after it closed, right into the Great Recession. Um, I, I just... I could see it running as a small like water park, but not the main park itself. Um, it just didn't. It doesn't seem tenable necessarily. Alan, what are your thoughts? Um, 
in like the fantasy scenario in which it still exists, it kind of looks like Elitch Gardens mm-hmm. does now in Denver. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like, it's not a park that, like, it wouldn't be owned, I think, by any chain. I could see it being owned by somebody else. Um, you know, I think Six Flags during the actual bankruptcy and recession portion would have sold it off. I don't know that Cedar Fair would have bid on it, even though it was an obvious moneymaker, but I think somebody would have. And I don't think it would have progressed very far because as long as Astroworld just kept open, it had no competitors in that market. And to this day, I mean, there's stuff that got built around Houston and Galveston in the years afterwards, but it's all fairly small. Like, no one's going to compare Kima Boardwalk to Astroworld mm-hmm. or Galveston Historic Pleasure Pier to Astroworld. And if you live in the North Houston suburbs, which is where all the money's at, like to go from the woodlands to Galveston is like asking someone in Wilmington, Delaware to drive to King's Dominion. <laughs> like like it's basically that kind of distance like it just doesn't make sense for like a day trip it's just not something that they're going to want to do and and those places are very limited in space anyhow so i think it would i think it could definitely still be there had it been sold to the right people who were interested in operating a theme park mm-hmm. um and i think like the stuff that wouldn't be there is I think pretty obvious. Like, Batman the Escape would be gone. Grease Lightning would be gone. Uh, Mayan Mindbender would still be there. Serial, serial Thriller would still be there. Ultra Twister would be gone. I Ultra think. Twister would be gone. Viper might still be there. Maybe, maybe not. Accelerate would probably not be there anymore. Like, there's a lot of stuff in that park where you just look at it and you go, yeah, I don't think that's going to stick around. And, like, the stuff that would have been replaced by in that 2006 to now scenario would have been things like SNS um, free fly coasters and, uh, like, this is a park that, oddly enough, did have a boomerang, um, which seems like a kind of obvious ride for a park like this to have. Um Six Flags would have found themselves with an extra uh, Batman coaster, uh, and subsequently that went to uh, Six Flags Fiesta Texas uh, yeah. after the end of Jazzland. So that's an option, and maybe like something like the Boomerang would have come over as well. Um, I, I don't know why it never came over anywhere else to begin with. Maybe they just didn't have a spot for it. I'm sure it needs all new electronics, but like. There's a bunch of stuff that they could have added to this park to replace what was there and create kind of new attractions. But I don't think any of it would have been that interesting. Maybe like a fun GCI or small, you know, junior wood coaster type thing from Gravity Group. Oh, my God. Wasn't that the rumor for the longest time of GCI there? Yeah, there was there was a lot of. No, I think it was a CCI. It was a CCI at Astroworld. And that was around 2001, 2002. Yeah, and it was canceled very la- last minute. Oh, and really? It was. Yeah, yeah. Because it was actually on a signboard at IAPA. Oh. Hmm. Um, 
they had a ride going in at Astro World. Somehow I did not know that. Um, I, I will actually, I'm going to look that up right now. But I, I think that that's pretty much what would have happened. I don't think, I don't think we'd be looking at it and going like, "Wow, this is one of the all-time great parks." Like it would have been a park more like uh, Six Flags America or um, Marine World, where it got rides, but it would have been stuff like Sky Rockets and. Um, SNS free flies and you know kind of off the shelf stuff. This would have been like a perfect park for like one of the 4D spins. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, ex- that's exactly what I'm talking. Like those kind of rides, like that stuff that's just like off the shelf. Like here's a giant frisbee. And Texas Cyclone would have been uh, RMC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like very strong possibility. Um. If not, it would just be a bad ride. Like, it would be one of those two things, because I'm sure they would not have done, you know, a great job of maintenance uh, over that time frame. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of... Oh, it was 2000 is when uh, Astral World was supposed to get a CCI coaster. And that was actually announced at the booth. And it didn't happen. Uh, and I don't remember the specifics as to why. Did it go to? Did it go to Six Flags Ohio? Probably. I mean, that would make sense. Uh, that they would have just it would have been villain, and they would have moved it there. Because I feel like didn't they? Did they take? Like the rumor always that Batman Nightflight was supposed to go to Six Flags Kentucky Kingdom. I can believe that. Um. Yeah, I guess it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Like, uh, you know... I, I'm just pulling up, like, RCC rumors from, like, 20 years ago, but, you know... Because they were always accurate back then. Yeah, like, there's somebody on Coaster Buzz that says, like, Villain originally started out as a project for Astroworld, but then migrated. Um, and then, you know, obviously it's... If you look at the Villain at, Ast- at Geauga Lake slash... Uh, Six Flags Ohio, Worlds of Adventure, etc. Like that ride was clearly like shapes to the road that goes by the park because it was very at the very edge of the property over by uh, the double loop. And um, they also we're also forgetting the fact that they were completely landlocked. They had nowhere to expand. Yeah, that was it, another issue. I mean, they had 104 acres, which is not like an insignificant number, right? But at the same time. Yeah, they weren't going to go outwards. So either they were going to build up and over, or they were going to replace stuff. And I think if you look at the list of what that park had, um, it makes sense that they probably would have been replacing a lot of stuff, you know, in those intervening years, that last decade or so. And, like, it sucks, but... not terribly surprising that that's what would have happened, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's all I get to say about it. Like it's, I, I think, uh, you know, there's always a way that you could like work it so that that park lives, but it's just tough to see how it lives um, in a way that's like, I guess, exciting. Like, it always seems like a park that would just be a sleeper that, like, well, if they just invested the right money into it, 
if the right people owned it, if the right people publicized and pushed the park, like it could be more, but one of those things where if someone was like, Oh, they should definitely add a Justice League right here and it'd be great. Yeah, and, and you know what though? It would be a perfect place for a dark ride, obviously. Like they had dark rides in the past. And like I could see a dark ride there. Like there's there's lots of stuff that makes sense for the park, but again, I just can't see that anybody would have gone there and been like, oh, this is a park that's going to do 5 million attendance in five years. Like, it was never going to be that kind of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Alex, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think it would be open, or what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think it could have survived. As I said, a lot of stuff was going to be... I mean, considering a lot of that stuff was second you know, hand-me-downs used twice. A lot of that stuff was going to probably be gone by now, 15 years later. And, yeah, a lot of the trends that you've seen at the parks past, you know, 10 years uh, will probably have been included in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, a lot of my opinions, I think, kind of are in line with Alan, I'd say. Okay. <sighs> They would have yeah. a lot of retro merchandise, though. Man, would they ever. Like, there would be no shortage of dead things to sell, like, t-shirts of. <laughs> like, the Dexter Freebish ride? Oh, man. You know that they would be selling, like, ten of those to every person in Houston. Uh, and they probably would not have gotten a Travis Scott, like, album named after them, either, for that matter. Like... The fact that they're dead as a part, like a lot of these parks, like that, Geauga Lake, um, Opryland to a lesser degree, and Liberty Land, a lot of those, a lot of those parks are in some ways bigger in death than they were in life, mm-hmm. because you know people recall sort of the good times, but they don't necessarily recall you know the bad times. Like people remember when SeaWorld Ohio was great, but like. There was nobody there in those last couple of years of it being Jaga Lake because it was a tragic, sad place. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and uh, no one remembers that. I believe Asteroid had flooding issues as well whenever it decided to rain in Houston, which granted is rare, but when it did, I believe it was on a floodplain. It, it was. And uh, in fairness, in fairness, um, Everything in Houston is pretty much in a floodplain, as we've yeah. discovered fairly recently. <laughs> so, you know, it's not unique to Astral World per se. Mm-hmm. All righty. Any, any last words on Astral World? I wish it was around. Not that I could go to it right now, but <laughs> the idea that it might exist would be nice. Uh, it could be something else to do in Houston. And, uh,. Maybe I would have gotten to a thousand coasters faster. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, Alex. Yeah, it's still a shame, and I wish it was still there. And it was closed for all the wrong reasons, more or less. So. Yeah, maybe that's the greatest. Uh, the greatest uh, problem with it is that you know it was just closed because of the, the you know bad reasons. Um. Anyways, so, since, you know, 
we're done. <laughs> oh man, it's been a while. I haven't done this in a while. Uh, Alan, where can we find you online at? Um, uh, Twitter, I guess sometimes. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, God's on Safari, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much about it right now. Like, I'm not even really posting that much just because I'm sad. <laughs> Everyone's sad. We need breaks. We need. We need mental health time. We've got we've got breaks. That's the problem. Like, I didn't ask for this break though, and I would I would like it to end, but there's not enough money that I can hand out to people that will make it go away. So, um, I guess uh, you know, aside from like reading about like the Cedar Point Marina, <laughs> like like there's not a whole lot to talk about. So yeah. There we go. Okay. Alex, where can people find you at? You can find me at the The Coaster Spot on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And uh, I'm still posting never released vlogs and videos and construction updates is for probably not much longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So if you need to get some fixes in the video form i'm there for you plugging away on the europe trip and uh currently on a uh, florida trip from last may so there you go oh remember when people went to other states those were good times remember when people went anywhere oh those were the days uh you can <laughs> you can find me at parkscope joe on twitter you can find all of us at parkscope and at parkscope.net uh, make sure to leave us a good review on on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's been it's weird. It's weird. Be be nice to people, um, and just appreciate what you have. I think right now, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. We'll see you guys on the next episode. <laughs>